0: morning we're going to look at the thoughts and intents of the heart let me say first of all that i'm glad that god created us in a way that we cannot see in each other's inner life wouldn't it be terrible if everyone could see everyone's thoughts and everyone's intents of the heart what a unusual world that would be. I don't know if it would keep us on our toes. We'd have to watch what we think and what we intend to do. But only God can see inside our inner life. And only the Word of God is able to transform and direct our inner life as Hebrews tells us that the Word of God can discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word gets into our inner life. And He's able to make the changes that are seen in our outward life. This is the 12th message on Hebrews 4.12. I remember when God dropped into my heart, I, I had an encounter with the Lord at the end of 2016. And I just sense so strongly, you know, there are moments when God just overcomes us. And it was one of those moments at home, and the house—I I, I couldn't be contained in my home. I'd be too noisy. I'd be, and so I—I I went where I often go when God speaks to me, I believe significantly, or whether there's great dis- disappointment. I went to Nobby's Beach. I'm not a swimmer. I'm not a surfer. I didn't go there to just enjoy the beauty of the water and the sand, but it's a place where I can let myself go. It's a place where I can be noisy. You mightn't think I can be noisy, but in God's presence sometimes I can be noisy. And sometimes we need to as we grapple with what God places upon us as we try to come to to terms with the will of God and the plan of God and the situation we find ourselves in. And so normally what I do, I walk from the clubhouse to the breakwater. I did that a number of times, praising and talking to God and discussing things and airing my views to the Lord. And as I was on my first lap and the sun was setting and I couldn't quite see clearly, I saw a, a, a romantic couple up on the sand and they called out to me and i thought this was rather strange and i couldn't see them clearly because i was looking into the sunset but they could see me clearly because the sun was shining on me and i thought who is it and they stood and it was uh, pastor john owen kiralee they were there they tried to tell me that they were discussing The program, but can you imagine twilight, the cool breeze, the beauty of, and Kiralee there looking at Pastor Jono's eyes. I I think there might have been some of that, but I think there could have been romance in the air also. And I remember we talked just for a moment, and I just shared that God had placed upon my heart that he wanted me to speak on Hebrews 4.12 whenever an opportunity came in 2017. Now, my problem was not that God's Word's limited. God's Word's unlimited. There's enough in God's Word that we can minister. There's so much truth, so much wonder, so much treasure in the Word of God. My problem was that I was limited. And I thought, God, how can I? You know, one verse... Am I able to do it? And uh, in obedience, I said, Lord, I would. And there are other things that uh, I enjoyed in God's presence on Nobby's Beach at at that particular time. And the direction of God was so overcoming that I just had to spend time in the open and just to listen and, and share my thoughts to the Lord and uh, it was a wonderful experience i had never preached from one verse for a whole year and uh, the joy of exploring and expounding hebrews 412 has been one of the highlights of my life and i discovered through it the wonderful treasures that are in god's word you know, there's nothing more important for us to love and cherish and read and absorb than God's Word. There are treasures. You know, we, 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 there's just so much. So much that feeds us and ministers and, and blesses us in God's Word. The second blessing I got out of the year was that I found that whatever God asks us to do, he helps us and enables us to do it. And so whatever God ever asks you to do, don't be concerned, God, I, I cannot. If it's of Him, the ability and the enabling will be yours. And there'll be a blessing. Well, that's the third thing. I found that God always blesses obedience. Just little things that I always knew. But by following the direction of the Lord... God always blesses obedience, always. Nothing's more pleasing to him than his children obeying him and out of the greatness of his heart he will bless and pour blessing into their lives. Now this morning I want to focus on the end of Hebrews 4.12, and is a discerner. This is God's word. This is the sharp, two-edged sword word of God that can pierce. It's able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Another translation puts it, it is a judge Of the ideas and thoughts of the heart. It is a judge of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And here we are taken into the secret chamber of our inner lives. And I want to tell you, I really have some problems with the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, there are times when it's out of control. And I want to thank God that he's given us his word that we read and feed upon it. And it's able to bring a control. It's able to bring our inner life. It's able to discern what we need to do and what we need to throw away. In our inner life, in our thoughts and intents of the heart... God does, God's word does its most powerful and wonderful work. The word of God is a a discerner of our inner world. And that word's translated, it penetrates, it pierces, it judges, it exposes. It's quick to discern and it's quick to see. Our inner world that... Evidences, our behavior, our actions, our motivations, our feelings, inclinations, our outbursts, our ramblings, our expressions, our desires. Our inner world that will release these behaviors is where God is constantly at work. God's word discerns, penetrates, and judges our thoughts as they flood our mind, becoming intense and intentions of the heart, preparing for activation and actions of behavior. God's word is active and powerful and sharp enough to penetrate and filter the good from the bad. This is a wonderful work of the word of God, of the Bible. The more of the Bible that we have, the greater the work within our lives. And, you know, so often our minds will suggest we're agitated. Someone's upset us. And, 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 and our minds, our thoughts are kind of not godly. And the intents of our heart are maybe not the pathway that God wants but as we grapple with those, we, we, we sense the sharpness and the power of the word of God, its truths, its principles, our understanding of it, our love for it. We sense it come in. And we sense it, filter out. You know, I, I don't know how many times when I was heated and I had limited information I could have destroyed relationships and people but God's Word slowly brought sanity brought godliness and I was able to save and as I look back I say thank God that God's Word the Bible is able to come into the thoughts and intents of the heart now I want to give you some examples how this happens the first example, well the first point or example is Jesus' suffering. Now whenever we suffer or when I've suffered and I haven't suffered much but you know when suffering comes normally one of the problems that we have to deal with is the problem of the mind our thoughts god why me lord this shouldn't be happening And, uh, you know, the intents of the heart that come out of that are are, are not the attitude that God would have us to have. And I want to look at Jesus' suffering at Gethsemane. Jesus had to somehow come to grips with what was happening. He had just been anointed by Mary with that alabaster flask of costly ointment. He had just had the Last Supper with the disciples and was able to to talk to the one who would betray him. He had just told Peter who, upon Peter he was going to build his church, that Peter would deny him three times before the morning. And then we find that Jesus realizes his mission in this life is coming to an end. And he takes with him to the uh, Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes some of his closest disciples, and we find in Matthew twenty six, thirty six, he says, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And verse 37 says, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply depressed, distressed rather, not depressed. And verse 38 says, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now, we we see, we we have a look into the mind and the thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ here. In verse 39, He went a little farther and fell on His face and prayed, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, His thoughts here were, Can I get out of this? God, I know what's ahead. How did he know? He knew through the scriptures. His knowledge came as our knowledge comes. When he was born, the creator, the one that was omniscient, the one that was all-knowing, limited himself to human form. And what he learned as a a young person in the temple and as he read the Scriptures, his knowledge of his mission came from the Scriptures, from the Word of God. Also, his relationship with God and the gifts of the Spirit when the Holy Spirit came upon him. So his access to knowledge was the access that we all have. He could have used his his all-knowledge... Yeah, creating the complexity of the wonder of the world that we live in and the creation of, of man with, with the amazing intelligence that he placed within man that helps us enjoy life as we do today. But he limited himself and here in the Garden of Eden, no, I'm sorry, here in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus grapples with his mind. And the intents of his heart. He didn't want to suffer. He didn't want to go that way. And he asks God, God, is It necessary. Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And then finally God's Word comes in. The Scriptures come in. The Scriptures discern what God's will, the right way to go. And He recognizes from Isaiah and the prophets. He recognizes that He has a mission as the Savior of the world. And He says to the Father, He sought the intents of His heart become nevertheless not as i will but as you will and then verse 42 he went away again a second time and prayed saying oh my father if this cup cannot pass away from me unless i drink it your will be done your will be done you know we, we all go through suffering we all manage it in different ways and normally our, our mind plays havoc. God, where are you? Why is it happening? And, and Lord, how can I serve you when I'm going through so much? And, and we go through those things. But as we allow the word of God to come in, we realize that he's in control. We realize that we are his. We realize that... He has ordained our pathway and we resign ourselves to the goodness and the love of God that He will see us through. That's something to praise God about, isn't it? That's something to praise God about, that in suffering and, and difficulty, God's Word comes in and He filters out the negative and the hurt and He helps us focus. On the greatness and the goodness of God. Secondly, I want to look at Paul's shortcomings. Paul's shortcomings. And, uh, you know, if there was anyone in the Bible that you would think made it, it's the Apostle Paul. You know, he's a most remarkable man. You know, the power of his mind under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave us much of the New Testament. He's the one with his evangelistic efforts. He, he expanded and helped found the early church. If there's someone possibly we would want to model our life, but we realize he's too far, he's, he's exceptional, he's an amazing man. You know, the Apostle Paul did an amazing task. We enjoy the church today because of of his foundation and, and the word that he wrote for the Bible. No one had done more for the early church than the Apostle Paul. Yet the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, after listing his substantial credentials and telling the Philippians that his heart's desire is that I might know him, that I might know Christ in a greater way. He then shares that he has fallen short. He shares his shortcomings, Philippians 3.12. And this is what Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. He says, I haven't made it. There are things in my life that I'm still not pleased with. In spite of my accomplishments, I am not there. But the word of God comes in. He understands the power of God's word and as God works within our lives. But, he says, uh, I press on. And then in verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it. I, I, I can't say I've made it. I can't say I'm there, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. I think we all find ourselves in that situation. You know, and I want to tell you, you're never gonna fully get there. If you think you're gonna sit back and think, God, my life's perfect. I only do things that please you. I'm so good to my wife and husband. You're never going to get there. That's not what the Christian life is. We, we get closer. But while we still have this humanity, and even the Apostle Paul struggled, and when we struggle with our shortcomings and our failures and maybe being short with our husbands or... You know, there are so many things that can give us a shortcoming. I've had them. If you haven't had them, I've had them. I even had some this week. But what do we do? Oh, well, it's not working. God's word will never work. I'm I'm never going to really make it. No, we let God's word step in. We let his word step in and we let his word discern Thoughts and the intents of the heart and when we let his word as we understand it the power of his truth then transform those thoughts and intents of the heart as Paul said that he presses on we press on God I, I haven't made it maybe I haven't pleased you I, I wanted to spend more time whatever it is God's word says press on press on and how wonderful it is that God's Word helps us in that area nothing in Scripture speaks of giving up nothing in Scripture speaks of perfection I know the Bible says be perfect even as I am perfect but it's not referring to a perfection where there's no blemish there's there's no flaw there's nothing in Scripture Uh, that tells us that we come to a point where we never make a mistake. In fact, the biographies of the Bible cover failure. and, And, you know, one of the wonders of Scripture is its honesty with the lives of men and women it covers. And in spite of all that, Paul says... He presses on. You know, in Hebrews 12, we, we have that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And, uh, you know, people that have made it. Not in this world, but made it in faith. And now we've gone into the other world. Uh, and they see us as we run the marathon, as we run our Christian life. They see us and they the Bible tells us they're, they're cheering us on. You can make it. You will make it. And some of the people that belonged to the cloud of witnesses were people that were failures. There was Noah who... Failed in his drunkenness. There was Abraham that had all sorts of problems. There was Sarah with her deceit. And there was Samson with his terrible failure. They're in glory and they're cheering us on. And they're telling us it's not shortcomings that you focus on, but press on and you'll win the race. I thank God for that. If it was shortcomings... I'd be out, and I'm sure most of us would. Then the third point I want to look at is David's sin. David's sin. You know, when we fail God in sin, our thought life gets out of control. And the intents of our heart are confused. And there are times when we do sin. There are times when we fail. There may have been during this year times when you're so ashamed of what you did and and the mind is is out of control. God, what do I do? God, you can't love me. God, I have no power. I'm no good. God, I'm not going to come to church. God, I'm not coming to home fellowship. Whatever it is, the thoughts and the intents of the heart... Want us to get out. You know, that's what David, David listened to those. And David sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery. He thought it was hidden until Bathsheba was pregnant. Then he realized he had a serious problem on his hands in covering his sin rather than dealing with it. And he thought, Look, uh, I've got to get her husband Uzziah out of the road that I can marry her and somehow fix this horrible situation of sin. And so he sent Uzziah out and finally brought him to a place of danger and he was slain. And he thought. His thoughts and intents, which were not of God, thought they had succeeded. But then the man of God, Nathan, came and shared the simple story of a person that had, was rich and had many flocks, and another person that was poor and had a ewe, one small ewe lamb. And that ewe lamb was taken and by the rich, and you, you know the story. And David was infuriated with someone doing such an act. And Nathan said, You're the man. He was found out. Now, what would he do? He could have done what many of the kings of Israel did he could have forsaken God, he could have gone into idolatry. He could have said, I'm the king. What right has this man to accuse me? I can do as I please. There are so many things that he could do. But his understanding of God's word, his knowledge of God, he was a man after God's own heart. How could a man after God's own heart do such terrible things? It's amazing, isn't it, what we're capable of sometimes. But the grace of God's even more amazing. The grace of God. And so now the word of God began to work in David's mind as he was trying to deal with the, 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 the sin, the failure of sin. And what does he do? Uh, he's been found out. Uh, does he go and do as he please? Or does God's word direct him? Direct him to the path God would have him to take. And I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David, it seems, we, we believe, wrote after his repentance, after his failure, and he came back to God. He listened to the prophet, he listened to the word of God. And Psalm 51, verses 1 to 2, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Can you see God's word directing the thoughts of his mind and the intents of his heart? God, forgive me, as terrible as it is. God, you're a God of forgiveness. And then verse 10 to 12, he says, Create. In me, a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. That's the power of God's word. That's what God's Word tries to do when we fail and we sin and we feel so terrible and our minds are so confused. He he directs us to the wonder of God's forgiveness. I want to tell you that the Word of God that we have works wonderfully within our lives. Works wonderfully through suffering, sickness works wonderfully through shortcomings, works wonderfully through sin. It's a wonderful word. It's a powerful word. The more of it that you know, the more it can work and bless your life. And I want to tell you this morning that God's word, discerning the thoughts and intents of our heart, filters our heart and our thoughts, and brings cleansing in the process uh, as it rids us what God doesn't want and directs us in God's pathway. In the Old Testament, uh, in the tabernacle, you had what we call the laver. And uh, the the laver was uh, uh, in the outer court. First of all, you had the uh, burnt offering, uh, altar of burnt offering, uh, where the priests would slay the animals, very messy, very bloody, very smelly, terrible, uh, as, as animals were slain, that blood might. And then you had the laver, which was a large uh, basin uh, on some pedestal, and it was made from all the mirrors the ladies donated. In those days, they never had the lovely mirrors we have today. Maybe, you know, they're a bit too clear, aren't they? The mirrors we have today, they had brass, polished brass. And I don't care how much you polish brass, you know, the image is still a bit fuzzy. But that's the best they had. And they donated all these and they made this laver. And uh, the priest, after the sacrifice, would come and he'd look in the laver and... uh, he would see, he would wash his hands and he would wash his feet before he proceeded into the holy place that had the altar of showbread, place of worship and had the, the light, the, the, the candlestick there, the, the light of God. And of course, beyond in the holiest place, you had the, uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And uh, the, the laver speaks to us of God's Word, the washing of God's Word. That So often, it, 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 as it works in our minds and the intents of our heart, it, it, it washes. It washes, you know, often. I'm not talking about sin there, you know. We, 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 we have to... You know, we have our showers and our baths just because of living in the world. You know, walking, the dust, whatever we need to. And, and, and this is what the word of God does. And Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, in John 17, 17, said, Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. And Ephesians five twenty six says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water By the word. And so God's word in all its wonderful activities is able to bring a cleansing and a washing to our inner life. You know, that's why I find, you know, when you spend time with God, I I find reading from God's word first is good, isn't it? You know, maybe a bit of conviction comes, a greater love for God. There's a washing that takes place. And then we come into prayer and, and we just enjoy the presence of God. What a, one of the most wonderful activities of God's word is the discerning of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I thank God for that. We couldn't survive with that. What a mess our lives would be without that. And we're focused for the entire year in the messages I've brought. I've brought 12 on this. On, on the word, I've tried to extol it. I've show you the wonder. There's nothing boring. It, it's just a delight. The word of God is so precious and so wonderful.